Well, hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church. This is a podcast where we invite you to ask the questions that you have about the deeper things in life, God, spirituality, meaning of life, existence, how it all translates through a Christian worldview and how that compares and contrasts against other worldviews. We think that uh, we're designed to be asking these questions. We think we live in a big, broad, bright, beautiful world that demands that we ask these questions, and we think it actually honors God to ask these questions. Sadly, way too often in the church today, people are afraid to ask their questions, don't know where to ask their questions, or feel judged because they ask their questions. That's not what we believe here. We think that God wants you asking the questions you have about him, and the way we invite you to do it is simple. Text them into 815-314-0363. Again, that's 815-314-0363. We have got a huge inbox here yeah. um, that we like to work through, and that's what we're tackling today. August 3rd already, Andrew. My gosh. Crazy that we're already like August. I know. You, you I don't know, know how summer went that quickly. And I, I feel bad for like people who are in school and have the summer off because... It seems like it's flown by. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like here in uh, in McHenry, Illinois, our neck of the woods. I think they're starting the fifteenth, if I'm not mistaken, maybe yeah, sooner. So you're down to I like mean, that. It's two under week, two weeks. Yeah, two week mark. Yeah, that's frightening. Yeah, or know, it might be two weeks from today. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But yeah. I know we're gearing up for what fall kickoffs and different groups and Wednesday nights and ministries all starting. So it's like. We're, we're down to the wire. Yeah, <laughs> and some of you have been so patient with us. We have been working through a backlog of questions. My gosh, the inbox of questions. Guys, the questions you're asking are amazing. I mean, we have stuff on every topic imaginable, imaginable from, from what appears to be simple but is often far more complex when you dig into it to things that are logically thought out to seven and eight degrees. I saw that we have one email that came in today that, that's kind of quite the monster we're going to try to tackle and... Uh, and stuff from the broad to the esoteric to the simple to the crazy, and I mean that in the best way possible, um, to the deep and profound to just, uh, man, this has been bothering me. So we're going to jump right on in here today. By the way, my name is David Gadini, pastor at Fellowship of Faith in McHenry, Illinois, here in the studio with Andrew Metcalf, who is Hello. producing and doing technical direction and is the... Uh, the MC moderator extraordinaire. You rock this kind of... Gets to do a little bit of everything. I know, right? I know. I was talking to someone about the when we were initially starting this podcast and doing it live. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was, it was going to be great. I was going to be, you know, back behind a desk, just pushing <laughs> the buttons and everything. And we get here the first week and Ken's like, no, your seat's right there in the middle. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, great. Let's figure this out. Um, so I think that I think it's helped. It's it's brought me out of my shell a little bit. So. All right, all right. Well, you do a great job. I still like to hide away in the booth on Sundays, though. At church. <laughs> yeah, right. Here right. it's nice because no one else is here. Which which is so funny to say because like you lead worship at Fellowship of Faith, you drum repeatedly at Fellowship of Faith. I, I really expect that if you were brought into an OR, you can operate on someone. I mean, your your talents <laughs> seem unlimited. Um, oh yeah, I, I used to do that for a few years. Then you go up and like. Who is this guy? You know? <laughs> a little, a little bit of everything. I'd say, what is it? A jack of all trades, a master of none. There you that's go. Kind of, that's, I, can, I can figure everything out a little bit, but it's not going to be the best that you've ever seen. Well, if that, that's your definition of being a jack of, of all trades and a master of none, well, you set the, the, the bar high on what a master has to be. Because you know, geez, man, yeah, you, you nail it. So, what do we got here today? Uh, we got quite an assortment, I think, and let's see if we can uh, get caught up a little bit with uh, the questions people are asking. Yeah, I like this first one a lot because I, I generally fall into this category. Uh, is it okay for Christians to wear ripped jeans? 
<laughs> That's great. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we should be asking. Like, I was just going to go, yeah, of course. Maybe we should be asking where there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is this a front-to-back seam rip? Is this uh... <laughs> You know, and in what way are we talking about okay, you, too? You might because, learn a little bit too much about yeah. your friends. You don't want that. And, and there's certainly some things that, like, God is totally okay with that the rest of us are going, oh, please, no. Please, no. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's totally okay to wear ripped jeans, and I'm going to just kind of assume that there's an implication here of like in church uh, yeah, or I'm something assuming. like that. Uh, y- you know, God does not lay down what what human decorum or what cultural standards need to be for all space and time. He leaves it to us to figure out, mm-hmm. and it certainly has varied over the years and, and from culture and culture and time and time and place and place. I think Paul's advice to early Christians really holds best on this and a thousand other things. Whatever you do, just do it in love towards other people. Like, is, 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 is my attire um, causing distraction to other people? Is my attire causing other people to sin? Um, because it's not modest enough or something like that, which is a real problem, um, you know, even in the church today. Yeah. Um, is, is my attire um, in proper expression to God? And I don't even like terms like that because it makes it feel like I've got to be formal with God. No. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like to think about going to church like going to my grandma's house on, on Sundays, you know, growing up, I didn't get dressed up to go to grandma's house. You just went and you were yourself and you loved her. Mm-hmm. But would I wear something that I knew that was intentionally offensive to grandma to stick it to grandma? Well, maybe not either. Um, if I was to go into another culture in another, you know, region of this world, would I respect their norms and dress appropriately? Yeah, you bet. Cause I'm not looking to be a jerk. Yeah. It, it's not about asserting my independence, but fundamentally, yeah, you're at a church that likes ripped jeans, rip jeans it up. Yeah. You're at a church that really it just kind of bothers people. We'll be sensitive to that and uh, let the rest follow. But uh, God's got no issue with it on principle. Yeah, I think that was one thing. We were at a national youth gathering a few a few weeks back, and they the the last mass gathering was a worship service. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I I thought it was it was a cool juxtaposition between you know all of the the students and people you know. They're wearing T-shirts and gym shorts because they're in Texas and it's 100 degrees out. And then we also had, you know, orchestra members that were, you know, in, I think they were just in T-shirts as well. Yeah, But then you had pastors in full robes. Then you had the worship band. So it was was so many different, I don't know, levels of church vestments like I don't don't know how to say it but but it all came together in a just a really cool experience yeah Yeah. um so I think that's a it's a cool thing that so many different different types and different expressions of of worship were all able to you know coexist and allow people to join in that worship which is cool yeah you know I had a a seminary professor back in the 90s his name was Jeff Gibbs great guy since retired Mm -hmm. um uh Matthean scholar meaning the gospel of Matthew was like his specialty and and he was kind of like one of those guys that just, man, the love of the Lord oozed out of him. There was a kind of a, a just a, a good reality of life mm-hmm. in him. I mean, God, God was not a subject of study. Gotcha. As it can happen yeah. for many people in academic settings. Yeah. God was a real living part, and all of his study and work was led and, and, and directed towards just glory and devotion of God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, the best thing, you know, remember this in college, the best thing was when, like, you know, people get on, t- your, your prof would get on a tangent, Right. And it was often in those like side stories that made the bigger impact and that you learned more from. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time he was talking about when he was serving a church and don't quote me, but I think it was in the Pacific Northwest and uh, talking about like one Sunday, you you know, he was a pastor out there before he was uh, doing the academic thing full time. And 
he was looking out of the landscape of the church and they were doing communion and he saw the ushers and one usher was dressed from head to toe, kind of like in the Sunday best suit. And then he looked at the other usher right across the aisle who was wearing his, as he put his, his brand spanking new blue Levi jeans, you, you, you know, <laughs> and just some kind of like golf shirt or button down shirt, you know, just something like that. And, and you had that like kind of same contrast. And he said, I thought to myself in that moment, I did something right here. When it doesn't have to become about that and people are just allowed to be who they are, yeah. come as they are, and love each other for who they are. Yeah. NYG kind of rocked that, yeah. that, that final service. Yeah. And, and same with FOF. It's not uncommon to see someone just wearing onesie pajamas or <laughs> uh, right. a, you know, a like, sweater well, with that's Santa on it or something. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I, I think you know, it's a culture that's going to be individual to to your church and to your area. Yeah. Um, but I think, like you said, it's like there's no necessarily right or wrong for the specific article of clothing. There can be reasons behind it and other things like that, but it's not like, nope, you can't wear black socks. Right. You can wear white socks. And, and we do need to be sensitive towards where other people are at, mm-hmm. but I, I think too often in Christian history, at least recent Christian history, people have imposed a cultural norm on the Bible as what reverence looks like. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't even have a thought that ripped jeans are irreverent. And people would push back going, well, would you wear that's the president? Well, but no, I wouldn't. Uh, but I'm not going to visit the president. I'm going to visit my dad. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't have to imply irreverence. Mm-hmm. Just like dressing up can be for the wrong reasons too. It's, it, it's a hard motive, but yeah. Yeah, we were asking. talking about it a little bit yesterday with even just like hats. And how yeah, how yeah. that is that that's changed can be or cannot be because right. for a while everyone was wearing hats all the time and then that was it changed to a disrespectful or not a reverence thing so then no one was wearing them in church and now it's come back in some ways and in some ways it, not it's, so it's just like, not seen it's as just that something anymore. that yeah. changes yeah um, which I think is interesting yeah we've got another one here uh, is is there anything in the Bible about the Earth being round versus flat <laughs> good one all right I love it. <laughs> No, not in the way that you're asking or thinking. I mean, obviously, we know that there are um, flat earth theorists or proponents today. And I think, for the most part, a lot of them do it just to get like attention or to be difficult for difficulty's sake or to make counterpoints. But, but there probably are some sincere, shall we say, um, aficionados of that school mm. of thought, so to speak. And it, if, 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 if anything is being done on biblical grounds to try to justify it. It is just a misinterpretation of the Bible. And let me illustrate how the Bible communicates and show you why people get this all wrong on both sides of the equation. Hmm. Andrew, I'm going to ask you, is the earth flat or round? Round. Okay, but do you use a level? Yes. That would imply to me that it's flat. Interesting. It's both flat and round. It just depends on your perspective. Mm -hmm. You you, you know, when an architect designs a building, they design it understanding that this pad and foundation is going to be flat and level. And it is flat and level. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean the globe is flat and level. It's just like saying, what color is the sun? Yeah. Go, well, yellow. Unless you're looking at it at sunset. (laughs) And then you'd go, it's red. Unless you're looking at it from space, and then it's white. Yeah. So it just depends on your perspective. And it would be foolish to say that any of those answers is false or untrue. What color is the sky? 
well, it's blue. I've seen pink skies. I've seen orange skies. I've seen yeah. black skies. Yeah, in, in space, it's all black. <laughs> so. you, you know, no, I mean, even I've seen black skies from Earth at night. Yeah, I mean, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, 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 the Bible speaks in everyday human language, and it's not, when it's speaking, meaning to kind of make some, shall I say, absolute statement of reality, if you will, in some discipline that it is not talking about. So if it talks about the four corners of the earth, which the Bible does, it is not meaning to imply that the Bible is some kind of like, you know, quadrilateral, you know, shape like a rectangle or a square that actually has four corners. It's just a metaphor or figure of speech. And even if the author writing it at the time is assuming things about the universe or the world that aren't in fact as true as we would make claims about it today, mm-hmm. it in no way diminishes or damages the point that they are trying to make by the metaphor. Uh, everyone knows that when Jesus calls Herod a fox, that he's not implying that King Herod had four legs and a bushy tail. We shouldn't impose that on other descriptors or figurative language of the Bible or metaphors that, that the Bible uses and that, quite honestly, we use today. I talk mm-hmm. about the sunrise and the sunsetting all the time, even though I know better. Yeah, the Bible does the same. It's, it's not, it's a not moving. Yeah. So, so, so no, don't get hung up on that. And, and, and likewise, don't let people who like to tear the Bible apart because of its metaphorical use of language, frighten you, scare you, or cast doubt on you either. Because honestly, 20 seconds of reflection on this shows how ludicrous that kind of attack would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, great question. Great question. Um, Let's see. When I pray, how should I formally address God? As God, Lord, Yahweh, Abba, Father, uh, does God have a formal or preferred name? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, I love this question. You know, any of those work and more. You can address God however you want as long as you're doing it in a way that brings, shall we say, the proper respect or reverence to him, and that does not mean formality. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when he prayed, called God, Abba. And Abba is an Aramaic word that most closely translates to English as daddy. There's intimacy in that. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, the way that he said, okay, you know, pray like this, our Father. And what I think Jesus is implying there is not that that's the only way we should pray, but it's certainly the starting block from which we should pray. So how do you address God in that kind of relational language, with that kind of authority behind the language, with that kind of respect in the language that dad or father would indicate. And within that, God gives you a lot of freedom to address how you want. And, uh, and sometimes there can be a lot of value in addressing God with different language or terms or titles that he uses. Um, but there is something good about coming back to the source of father repeatedly mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of a just an anchor point. It is. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Uh, um, we've got one specifically for you, Dave here. I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, as a child, I remember, remember the minister coming to our house to visit. Mm, Okay. It was a large church, but he made it a point to connect with every family. Uh, it was a special time and memorable. Is it something that you would have time for? Oh, you know, great question. And, and yeah, in generations past where that was very much, the M.O. of what a pastor did is he made house calls. Mm -hmm. The reality is 
pastors don't do it by and far today, not because of the busyness factor, though that is that is, that is a key point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do believe this, and I don't think I'm just being blind. I do believe that those who are in pastoral ministry today are busier in many ways or expected to juggle more balls or do more than in previous generations. Certainly mm-hmm. expected to have more expertise in more fields yeah. today. Um, but the reality is we don't live in a day and age where people are home anymore. Mm. You know, there also used to be a day and age when you had door-to-door salesmen. And it worked because it was assumed that someone would basically be home, often like, you know, the housewife or something like that, in the middle of the day that you could drop in on. Mm-hmm. Well, today, if I was to drop in on someone, nine times out of ten, they would not be home. Yeah. So, so the culture has shifted, which doesn't allow that. But, but the reality is this. Very few people invite me to come to their homes. Maybe because they don't want it to be a burden. Maybe because they just don't think about it. Maybe because, well, they don't want me there. Maybe because it's just kind of an out of sight, out of mind practice. But no, no, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to come visit. And uh, and if you got some coffee or cookies available too, you know, they rock on. You know, <laughs> that, 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 that always sweetens the, the pot. Trick. But yeah. uh, but no, I, you know, it, it's it's a great and wonderful practice. And if it's something that you would benefit from, would love to come visit. I remember in grade school growing up, before every school year, before you started a new grade, at my school at least, the teacher for that grade would come to your house and do yeah. a house visit and yeah. sit down with you and, and your parent for you know 30 minutes or so to talk yeah. through, here's what you're going to expect from the classroom and stuff. Right. I, I don't believe the school I went to is still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when that kind of phased out or changed, but it's like, it's again, people are busy and not home and scheduling that is difficult and i know like for our church we have people coming from 45 minutes an hour away mm-hmm. so i think that has changed a little bit with time too where yep, you're we're not a commuter going to church local, not a community yep your local community church and, and and something else too we take this for granted but even something which seems as antiquated as a like phone message recording system not even voicemail but an answering machine mm-hmm that didn't really exist before the 80s. Yeah. And so if you wanted to communicate with people, you kind of had to drop in or do it face-to-face or write a bunch of letters. Yeah. I mean, today with the ability to text, to FaceTime, to email, to post social media, to, to do, you know, people have their phones on them and, 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 you know, to leave messages and pick up immediately. I mean, it, it's changed the game as well where it isn't even as necessitated. Mm-hmm. Um, one final thing I would would add, you know, and, and I'm talking in the context of our church, but today there are, are churches of all sizes and varieties. And I think there's a far bigger uh, disparity in the size of churches today than have historically existed. There's always mm-hmm. been big churches and little churches, but now mega churches have become far more common. Yeah. And if you want to be a part of a church of more than 100 to 200 people, it's just not feasible for the pastor to be on, shall I say, beck and call at any moment or visiting and maybe in that capacity to the way you'd like. It has to be by an invitational strategy. Yeah, I'll speak to FOF. Um, we're not a large church by any stretch of the imagination. Though we're not small by sociological definition in the States today. Mm-hmm. Average worship attendance for us is 200 and we got a, a very large live stream audience, but in person is 200. But our typical database of people that's drawing out of is about 600. Well, if I was to visit one person a day, every day, I would be in a two-year rotation. Yeah. And so 
that somehow has necessitated how we do it as well, especially with longer driving distances and everything. But no, but I get it. I remember the kind of the nostalgic era. I like the tail end of it myself, and there is something yeah. special to it. And so what I'd say is reach out to your pastor, whoever it is, if you'd like to do that, and invite him to coffee, invite him for dinner, invite his family over, invite him up to the cabin for the weekend. Um, you, you know, yeah, he there's... nine times out of ten, he would love to, and with enough work between the two of you, you'll find a time to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that, just the changes in, in times and how people are living, and a couple of weeks ago, I got a new battery in, in my cell phone. Yeah. And had to leave yeah. it at the store for a couple hours, and it was very strange. <laughs> I was like, you know, the first probably 15 minutes, I was just like freaking out, like, where's my phone? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They're working on it. Yeah. But... It was also kind of nice. I was like, I know that no one can get a hold of me if they need to. Like, I don't have to worry about checking my email or, oh, someone texted me. I need to get back to them right away. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's kind of nice. So would you go back to that era of before, you know, your your uh, voicemail and all that stuff? Like, It's easy to idealize. Yeah. But then there's so yeah. many things I'm like, oh, I can order food from my phone and it'll be yeah. delivered to me. <laughs> like, as long as it doesn't become digital bondage or slavery, which... It sadly does. Or, you know, the addictive quality, too, where it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do anything, so I just kind of check my messages every 10 seconds. I check a new post. I check a... Yeah. Oh, it's absurd when they started sending out... Of course, for whatever reason, Apple devices, they send out your, like, weekly screen usage mm. and, like, your screen time. Mm. Everyone that I know of, it comes out on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> so every Sunday morning, right around... I think it's, like, 9, 9.30. Yeah, you're just... My phone will go off and be like, hey, you've been using your phone for six hours a day. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, my god! Do I need to confess about this you're now? Right, like, what? This is just a weird time. Like, can we not do Mondays? Come on. Like, Sunday mornings? Really? Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think I think now is the time to tackle this email. Okay, we've got an email here. Let's go here. after it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take charge on this, because I... I you know a lot more of the words that are in this email than I do. All right, and Andrew, you, and 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 uh, Andrew has forewarned me about this email, and not because there's something bad in it. Just it is long and dense, with a lot of like um, if-then statements kind mm-hmm. of going on. Right. Yeah. So so let me let me uh, read this. Stay with us, folks, and uh, let's tackle this. And I'll probably break it up into chunks as we go. Yeah. Um, just because I'm looking at the length of it right now, and. Uh, Oh, my gosh. But (laughs) honestly, whoever sent this, thank you for taking the time um, to really be this thoughtful about it, to think all this out. And uh, here we go. I have been working my way through a book by um, um, an author named uh, Michael Gorman called Becoming the Gospel. And I'm finding his discussions and ideas regarding missional hermeneutics and the Missio Dei with regards to our participation and how we are to interpret the Bible. Very interesting. That alone needs unpacking already. Yeah. Missio Dei is the common theological phrase talking about the mission of God. What is God's mission for this world? And how does he go about carrying out his mission? And what's the theological frame of study around that? And so missional hermeneutics, hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting a text. So if you're talking about biblical hermeneutics, you're going, how do I interpret the Bible? What's the right way? And what are the principles and techniques Mm -hmm. that you use to do it? Missional hermeneutics, then, would be interpreting the, I, interpreting the Bible from a missional vantage point or a missional perspective or starting point. Okay. Kind of put another way, it's to say that the entire Bible is a story about God's mission in this world. What is God's mission and how is he carrying it out? And we interpret all the Bible through those eyes. Are there, are there other 
eyes and lenses you that bet. people view view you know hermeneutics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like like, what is the best way to view the Bible as a whole mm-hmm. and interpret its entire storyline as you're going through? And yes, there are other are other perspectives and fields of vision in this. Gotcha. Though the missio day is a very big one and prominent one that has gotten a lot of traction that a lot of people espouse to. So I I won't cloud it anymore because of the length of the email (laughs) with other perspectives, but let's run this one. Um, He, Michael Gorman, seems to be stating that missional theology, doctrine, ministry, witness, and worldview is a part of the missional theme, Trinity, God's nature, God's kingdom, God's story, God's presence, creation. It seems that the theological norms, tradition, experience, scripture, and reason represent the missional theologian who live in the center of these themes. Okay, all statements so far. Here's the question. Do you think it is missional questions, issues, and problems to which the ancient authors sought to respond? And here's what I'm going to say right now before going further. Yes. Maybe this allows us to seek God's mission so we can interpret the Bible correctly. Um, And only then um, we will ask the proper missional questions of the text. So yes, I do think you're on the right track. Yes, I do think this is a lens through which we should read the Bible. And yes, I do think that this central idea, or is a central idea, by which many of the other theological questions can be interpreted, Mm. but not exclusively. Because just like we talked in last week's episode, there are multiple themes and multiple streams in the Bible. And anytime you begin looking at it only through one lens, you risk minimizing other data and theological trajectories that are also there layered. Think of the Bible as strata, if you will. Hmm. Multiple parallel layers and storylines that are in continuity with each other. But the one that you're looking at can run the risk of not seeing the others. Yeah. So the Missio Dei is definitely a key stream. It's definitely a key hermeneutic perspective, but not the only one. And so it's learning that alongside others. Um, and, and that's always a danger we have when we have um, a favorite Bible passage. I, say, I was uh, going to uh, say, even just picking out one verse instead of looking at the chapter or the verses surrounding yeah. it. Yeah, or even a favorite book yeah. of the Bible. And building our entire understanding around God around that and from that vantage point and forcing it to fit. Mm-hmm. And even right? as simple as like, even just the story of Jesus, like which gospel are you reading from? If you're you only it. ever reading Matthew, you got it. you're only going to get one perspective yeah. on it. So. And, and we have to do it. There's no getting around this. We have to start somewhere and from there get epiphany and inspiration by which we start understanding the whole. Mm-hmm. But we can't stop in then doing that in other places as well and, 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 and setting up these comparative these models, silos, yeah. if you will, and then figuring out how they connect. And that's what the task of theology is really all about and why we continue going to church and writing and reading books and studying our Bibles regularly because you don't figure it out on one verse. You can get enough in one verse. It's sufficient, if you will, for salvation. John 3.16 is enough to know to be saved, but to go deeper into the mind of God and and, and life with God. Yeah, you got it. So, So great question. Um... And I think that more or less covers the essence of some of the comments to follow. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I think that hits the uh, hits the main the main idea. I like that idea of yeah. How what is the what is the lens that you're using to to read the Bible through? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that can be you know good or bad in some ways. If if you're looking for it to give you a specific answer that you want. 
um, you know, that can cause some issues in that, oh, I'm reading it with this intention for the outcome to be this way. Yep. But it can also be very helpful when you're just, I'm trying to find information on this one topic. Okay, well, that's going to be how I'm going to read the scripture to see what God is telling you about that topic. So Yeah, you got it. Um, you got it. So thank you for asking, and hopefully that has pointed you down some right directions and opened up some field of vision on others. Yeah. That's going to feel good to delete like that. That's like major, uh, that's, that's major like it's mileage, cut out you know? It's going to pages out of our, <laughs> what, 12, 10, 10-page 10 document of questions. So, right, right. Um, and the rest are all just bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. <laughs> but sometimes I find that, yeah, sometimes those just one-line questions will have either the simplest or the most complex answer, and same with yeah. the, you know, paragraphs that are written. Um, it just gives you a little bit more perspective into either yeah. the type of person asking the question or how in-depth they are going. Yeah. Um, so and hey, Andrew, before we go any further, we're about halfway through the show today. Maybe let me just take a moment, give a station break. Yeah. Um, this is Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church, the podcast where we invite you to ask the questions you have about God and spirituality, about different belief systems and worldviews, about Jesus Christ and what it means to be a follower of him in the world today and live in him in relation to others in the world today. Any question goes on this show. You can text them in to 815-314-0363. We want your questions. We appreciate your questions. We like your questions. And we think asking them rather than bearing them is good. So whether you believe in Christ, you doubt Christ, you want nothing to do with Christ. You think Christianity is the hope of the future or you think it's the worst scathe on humanity and human history. If you are open for open dialogue, we would love to have your question. We will deal with it as bluntly, honestly, straightforwardly, and transparently as as we know how with our ability and hopefully help you on the journey and keep a good conversation going. Um, If you're listening through 216 The Net, rock on. You can post your questions on Facebook. Um, If you're listening live, though, we are pre-recorded today, so don't do that today, but in future episodes. Likewise, join us at fellowshipoffaith.org. Um, and go to FOF Plus. You can catch past episodes um, there or on your favorite podcast provider. Just search questions you never thought you could ask in church. You will be there. All right, there we go. What else we got here today, Andrew? Yeah, so we have one asking uh, about a future sermon series. Um, oh, okay. Can you please do a sermon series on Revelation again pretty soon? <laughs> so. Yes, you know, and this, this one came in June. This one was asked live. Yeah, when we were right. doing our live questions you never thought you could ask in church. The way we would do it live, guys, if you're listening today, is I'd invite people to bring their cell phones to church. We'd put a big number on the screen. They would be invited to ask any questions they, would, they, they wanted. Um, I would get them anonymously and answer them in real time on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so someone asked this back in June. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this because um, what I've been doing for the last, like, three or four weeks is kind of holding myself up. I put, like, my my email, like, you know, out of the office thing on. I haven't been scheduling appointments and people have been coming up. Oh, you've been enjoying your vacation. Like, no, it's It's not not, what I've been doing. (laughs) I basically been holding myself up writing every single Bible study and sermon for the entire school year to come. And what we're doing, I'm so excited about this is called the last apostle. Mm -hmm. And the last apostle is John. And what we're doing is looking at all the writings of John in the new Testament In our worship service, the bulk of the sermons are going to be around the Gospel of John. In the spring, we're going to be looking at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But what we're going to be doing in the 9 o'clock discipleship hour, or what we would call Bible study hour, is actually going through the book of Revelation. I've preached on it a couple of times in the past, but I think it works better in a teaching environment because you can open up dialogue and Q&A. It's interactive. You got it. You got it. It's a better medium for all the, the confusing symbolism and imagery and like what's going on here. So... 
starting September 11th, we are going to be doing Revelation for probably several months um, in that format. You can't unpack that in one 40-minute Bible study? Yeah, I can. Hang in there. One <laughs> word. That's the message of Revelation. Hang in there. Yeah. Jesus wins. <laughs> um, but but I, I do want to say this. We, we put those, we have a podcast for those as well called The Bible in Context. Mm-hmm. And you can catch those on your podcast provider as well. But more easily, go to fellowshipoffaith.org, go to the FOF Plus page, and you'll find them right there. They're usually posted when Andrew within 24 hours, maybe 48. Yeah, yeah. Usually Monday, Monday or Tuesday, yeah. those are uploaded. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've had what this last school year you did prophets in context, so going through yep. all the minor prophets. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, or minor and major. Yeah. Yeah. Um, touched on the major too. And then we talked about Acts some, um, Acts yep. in context. Yeah. We just had a couple on prayer recently. So, right. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a ton on there if you're looking for kind of that Bible study in depth. Uh, teaching. Yeah, and, and maybe if this show seeks to give 30 second to three minute answers, that seeks to give 45, 30 to 45 minute mm-hmm. like answers or discussions around certain topics, right? Yeah, and the best part is you can listen to it at like one and a half speed if you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot go back. That is the best thing YouTube ever did. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. To listen in real time anymore, or you go 0.75 and everyone sounds stoned, you know? <laughs> If you just want to have some fun with it, that, right. that is an option for you. Right. Um, but yeah, but if you're listening live and if you're there in person, you, you yeah. cannot fast forward. So so yeah, that is coming. That is coming. And uh, we encourage you to tune in. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be good. Hey, by the way, shout out to you too, Andrew. You know, you did something pretty incredible with our sermon archive at Fellowship of Faith, where mm. if you guys don't realize this, go on our messages webpage, again, fellowshipoffaith.org. And Andrew has set up a search engine where you can search not only chronologically, but also by topic. And if you want some of the past preaching on Revelation that we've done over the past years, you can find a wealth of uh, resource there or, you know, Yeah, so I think we've got about 40 or 50 different tags for topics. So there's just a list on the, I think it's message by topic page. And click on that and it'll give you basically every sermon yeah. from the history of what's been recorded and what's Almost, uploaded we're still so building far. the archive yeah. back in Shout out to order. Jess. She yeah. is uh, going back <laughs> years at a time and uploading, uh, re-uploading sermons. So I don't know if we're back to 1999 yet. I, I don't uh, think so. I, don't I think, think so, we're uh, in the mid-teens, maybe. Mid-teens, okay. Low, so low teens. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. We've made some progress. But All yeah, right. if you, if you want to either delve into a book of the Bible or you have questions about creation or prayer or yeah you know anything there's there's so many different uh topics just kind of grouping things together that way yeah yeah um which is very very cool that they uh that we're able to do that yeah you got um it. a short short one here uh do you believe the world is experiencing the birthing pains right mm. now yeah yeah i do thank you for asking um uh, what this is referring to is some metaphorical language that paul especially will use jesus as well Um, But I think of like Romans 8, where he talks about how we can compare the struggle of life in the world now before Christ returns to set all things right as a woman in labor. It's hard. It's strenuous. It's filled with pain. It's hard to focus on what's to come because the agony of the present is overwhelming the joy of the future. Mm -hmm. And that we, as followers of God, but creation itself is not the way it's supposed to be. It, too, is tainted by sin, and it, too, is yearning for the way for God to come and redeem it. We always think about Jesus just coming to save us, but Jesus died for the world, 
And that's kind of a mind blow if you think about it, that what he did is not just for humans to go and be in heaven someday, but to redeem the entire cosmos. Yeah, because creation has been impacted by sin as well. Yeah. It's not just humans. You got it. It's everything. You got it. So yes, we are in the birth pangs and will continue to be in the birth pangs until Christ returns. And that is then metaphorically equated to delivery when the pain is gone and in the past and it is pure joy of what has come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and is that, I don't, I don't know if, I might be reading into this question too much, but um, I think sometimes when people are talking about that, it, it's in a reference to like the end times. Like, are we reaching the end of the birthing pains? Like, is this the the culmination before yeah. the birth? Like, are the will, contractions the increasing, you know, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, some... And there's, you know, so many different ways to think about that. If it's, you know, the marks of the end times or trumpets or natural disasters, all these other things, it's like, I don't know if they were asking that, but I guess I'm asking that. Yeah, it is a fantastic question, and it is a far more complex answer than most people will realize. Mm -hmm. There are basically three models by which Christianity has viewed the, quote, end times, or better put, the time between Christ's first and second coming that we live in today, Mm -hmm. right? And the three different models pose three different ways things are going to develop. And I want to go into terminology language and I'm going to spare myself because it's going to open up more confusion. And I'm just going to say this. There is one school of thought who says it is going from bad to worse, that Mm -hmm. evil is increasing. And so it is getting darker and darker and darker so to speak, as we approach closer and closer to closer to when the day of Christ's return. That almost sounds like we haven't hit rock bottom yet. No, no, like, no. Once you hit rock bottom, it's, then it's, it's like, then Jesus will come it's, back. It's all trajectory, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's another school of thought, and it's more of a minority school of thought, but it was more prominent in the 19th century, but it's not gone, that actually sees it opposite. It mm. says it's getting better and better. As the kingdom of God increases, that there is still evil and horror in this world, but fundamentally, we're going from darker to lighter, almost like, you know, the dawn Mm -hmm. is coming in, right? Yeah. And there's things to merit that position. There is another school of thought who says, it's both. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good Lutheran answer. It is. It's both in, with, and under everything. And and that is a Lutheran position. Trinity three and one, figure it out. (laughs) But but not exclusively Lutheran. Yeah. Um, Where it says, both evil or the kingdom of darkness and good or the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light are both increasing at the same time and it's getting both better and worse simultaneously. Um, And uh, there there are theological terms for these like what I would call amillennial, postmillennial and premillennial that that open up a whole new field of vision but that's fundamentally what they're about and how it relates to the end times coming. But uh, um, I think it is the amillennial position. I do agree with the, I think both are increasing, Andrew, so that birth pangs are increasing, yet simultaneous, the kingdom of God is also advancing, and they can happen (laughs) at the same time. Yeah, and Um, at any time can be that birthing moment. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know the time or place. We don't know when it's going to be. And that we know above all things, because Christ himself said that clearly. Yeah. You know, no one knows the day or hour, not even the Son of Man. So if Jesus hasn't figured it out, how how audacious how and arrogant of us to think that we've decoded it and figured yeah. it out, right? Don't worry. God emailed me. Yeah. We've got the data yeah. on lockdown. Yeah. 
Um, I think one thing, like in talking about the end times thing, if, if you're watching this on video, you can see we have a new TV back here in the new studio. And I think that might be helpful to like get some graphics involved. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do some teaching in that way. Because, yeah, it is confusing when you're like post millennial. Yeah. What? What are all these? Yeah, things? yeah, yeah. Let's make. Uh, if you don't mind, Andrew, I feel like let's I'm make making more work for myself. But. No, but you know, I, I, but, but the, the joy is we've taught out this on this at Fellowship of Faith. I mean, I, I have three or four graphics right now that I could just pull up and go look at this chart, meditate on it for two minutes, and all your answers will be you know given. You, you yeah. know that kind of thing. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Twenty One Six The Net. I am loving the new studio. Oh they did yeah. The studio absolutely. rehab. You know, m- many of you are listening and don't see it, but if you watch us on Facebook. Um, this is just incredible. This, this, this mm-hmm. new space, and I guess they said they're not even done yet. So uh, yeah, I think it, love work it. in progress continues. Yeah, absolutely great. loving it. Um, okay, we've got one here about uh, kind of relating to the Bible. Okay, um, what do you recommend for someone that is struggling to connect with the Bible and faith, specifically as it pertains to resources mm. that help connect the Bible to historical events? I want to believe and grow my faith, but I struggle with it seeming like air quotes, blind faith based on stories that don't seem to have supporting evidence. Uh, it says, sincerely, not wanting to be a skeptic. <laughs> I love it. I, like I love it. Oh, uh, you know, brother or sister, whoever asks this, I l- thank you. Th- th- this, this kind of question is exactly why I'm so passionate about this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that you asked, because let me tell you this, you are not alone. So many people struggle with this. And so many people who have been sitting in church chairs or pews for 40 years secretly struggle with this inside and are afraid to admit it. And so what do I recommend? Two things. One, keep reading the Bible. Keep reading it on a very regular basis. I would say daily, but it doesn't have to be daily. Just read it regularly so that you are knowing the stories better and better and are building more and more familiarity with it. Because without knowing that, you don't have a source, right? But what I would then encourage you to do is supplement it with any number of incredible resources out there that do exactly what you're asking for. There is a wealth of video, of, of, of audio, and in literature, that, that, that seeks to do exactly this. And my gosh, uh, depending on your area of interest, uh, it, 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 it's, it's almost a paralysis by options that are out there. Yeah. I am going to paralyze you with some options off the bat, but just because I want to give you a, a big field of vision, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to make me make a couple of specific recommendations. Yeah. Okay. Go to our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. On our website, go to a page called Faith Training. And on the Faith Training page, you are going to find links to several resources. Right Now Media, Version, and The Bible Project. Three incredible just archives of, of, of thousands upon thousands of, of explanatory teachings and video footage and, and, and reading plans and things that you can tap and through that, you can just start to explore in a very winsome way with a very easy search engine. And you can get lost in there for the better part of your life, oh, and you absolutely. will not be the worse for it. Yeah. Start there and start just start searching in the engine for things like historic reliability, for archaeological evidence. Maybe it's just phrases like, is this real? How can I know that the gospel is true? You are going to get so many things that pop up that are going to help you. Oh, my gosh. And you'll even get daily Bible reading plans, especially through version. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but also through Bible Project that can help you stay on a certain pace along yeah, the way. Yeah, and I absolutely know on, on Right Now Media there's Bible studies where, you know, whoever the subject is in, in the video they're talking about, they're standing inside of the temple. It, you know... Yeah. Over in the Middle East, they're like, yeah. this is where this happened. Right. This is where this happened. So those are always really impactful for me. But they're like, I'm standing in the Nile River. Jesus was baptized here. Like, yeah, it's it's so amazing. It's, it's so cool to, be able to see that and to not have to travel there yourself and do that. You can do that through Right Now Media, through... You I, got it. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. And now, just so that there isn't a paralysis by option, I am going to make... I was going to say two. I'm going to give three recommendations. The first is a series of teachings by a man named Ray Vanderland called That the World May Know. I believe you can access them through a website called followtherabbi.com, but honestly, if you just Google Ray Vanderland or That the World May Know, they're a little bit older now. He actually originally released them on VHS and then went to DVD. They might be live streamed for pay, Um, and they might be on some of those sources I meant, but he is a Christian theologian who comes at the biblical text from a Jewish perspective. He's not Jewish, he's Dutch, with a name like Vanderland. But his family had history, even in World War II, I think in the Netherlands, of harboring Jews under the Nazi regime. And he actually studied in Jewish yeshivas, um, which are basically Jewish seminaries, under rabbis. And so brings this synthesis of the historic, cultural Jewish mindset in, in, in Jesus' era, alongside the biblical text, and leads tours in this video series called That the World May Know exactly to what you're doing. Here we are at the Pool of Bethsaida. Here we are at the Sea of Galilee. Here we are in Jerusalem. And he brings the text to life in a way that's been enriching to me. Check him out. Number two, check out an author called Lee Strobel. There is a field called apologetics, which means giving reasoned defenses or explanations for the Christian faith. And there's a field of authors out there since, honestly, the, the earliest church in the second century. But Lee Strobel, I find to be a, a modern one who's very popular and very accessible. He was, a, um, um, I, I believe, a crime reporter, um, but he was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and he was a, an agnostic, if not atheist. And his wife became a Christian, and it scared him to death because he thought he was going to lose his wife to this craziness. And he went about trying to disprove Christianity, and it actually convinced him, and he became one of the most outspoken Christians and prolific Christian authors um, of our recent day and age yeah. on reason evidence for the Christian faith. Check him out. Um, the Case for Christ is kind of his classic work. Um, the Case for Faith is another one, but he's written tons of stuff. He's a good guy to swim through. Yeah. Finally, I'll give one more. A little bit older. His name is Josh McDowell. And he wrote a simple little book called More Than a Carpenter. He's also written books like Evidence That Demand a Verdict and some others as well. Um, I bring him up um, simply because More Than a Carpenter is such a short, easy read. It's like 80 pages. You can buy it for four bucks and, and read it in under an hour. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't overwhelm from the outset. So just some avenues to get you going. And, and I do find that I want to encourage you. You said, sincerely not wanting to be a skeptic. This is where I think you are going to find where Jesus says, seek and you will find, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be open. If you sincerely go down this quest, sincerely looking for the answers, if you are patient, you are going to find them and your faith is going to be so bolstered and you are going to move into such a place of, of strength over doubt, if I can put it that way, that it's going to blow your mind. Um, 
hang in there. Thanks for asking. Yeah, one thing that's been helpful for me specifically is in in U version, you can they have I mean thousands and thousands of Bible plans, but yeah. finding you know one person, a couple people, a group of people to do a Bible plan with is very cool because they provide a yeah. a discussion page after every reading. Typically, there's like a devo beforehand, then there's whatever the reading is. Sometimes it's one verse, sometimes it's a whole chapter. Yeah. Um, but then there's this discussion page. And so you, you can communicate with whoever you're doing this plan with them. Hey, I have a question here, or this is where my thoughts about it. So, you know, typically that was reserved for, oh, when we're all in person, we're doing a Bible study every Monday or whatever. Now it can happen daily um, with, who, you know, whoever you're doing this plan with. So that's been really cool for me to to grow in my faith yeah. with, with other people at our church. No, and thanks for bringing that up, Andrew. And you know, and I'll even make this offer to anyone listening here today. Um, make a friend request to me on version. My name is David Gadini. It is not a common name, so you will find me quickly, <laughs> all right? Um, last name is spelled G-A-D-D-I-N-I, pronounced Gadini, think Houdini, but Gah, all right? Um, make a friend request, and then I'll friend you, and you can see exactly what I'm reading in version. I just finished one up on Faith and Doubt mm. by a, a series called The One Minute Apologist, yeah. um, which you can get on YouTube. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of these are springboards that then take you deeper yeah. um, with other literature that they've written. Oz Guinness just um, uh, has a book that they're pushing. I think it's called um, like Secrets in the Dark or God in the Dark or something like that. But uh, anyway... I can I can paralyze you with options now. Yeah, and um, and another thing that's been helpful in there too because I I'm one who's fairly familiar with the Bible. I've I've read a lot of it. Yeah, grew up so in it. It's it's yeah. it's easy. I, I love the NIV. That's my that's like that's Same like here. my my, my version. That's the one I go to all the time. But what I'm doing, I'm going through Psalms with someone, a Psalms plan, and we're doing it in the Message or a different translation, mm, yeah. Because oh man, I can Amazing. read through a Psalm that I've read you know twenty times. Amazing. And you go. I don't know. I've heard this a bunch, but right. jumping into a new version that you're not familiar with just gives you a new perspective and makes the the material fresh again for it you. It does. It does, and it's just like, and then you go back and read the original, and it's like, oh, it's right there. Yeah, it just, you're like, oh, now I see it. But how was <laughs> I, I missing? That, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think you know, asking the question is the, the first step in that because that shows an interest in it, and you're you're, you're wanting to commit to 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 growing this and to, right. to figuring it out. So I think that, I think that's you know the best starting point. We got yeah. Um, here's one that I, I like. It, it, I feel like it gets asked every couple months. Okay, um, but it's always okay. a good a good refresh. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Should we believe everything that you're saying in this series <laughs> or this podcast, or should we think of what you're saying as your opinion? Oh, I love this. Thank you. Thank and you I just for enjoy your boldness this. and sincerity. <laughs> it is great. I want you to test everything that I say. And I want you to test everything that you hear from other teachers, writers, pundits, newscasters, and you name it that are out there, Christian and non-Christian alike. I love, I believe it's Acts chapter 16, 17, 18. It's in the teens of Acts, where I believe if I'm remembering correctly, and fact check me on this, test it, that Paul is leaving Thessalonica. And he's kind of fed up with them. They're not responding to him. And then he goes to the Bereans. And Luke, in writing the story, makes this comment that the Bereans were of noble character. They took what Paul said and tested it against the scriptures. Do not blindly accept what I'm saying or anyone else is ever saying. But do I believe 
that what I'm saying is true. Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't be on the show right now. Mm-hmm. Do I do a job? Uh, do the best job I can of keeping myself in the word, vetted, reading, and doing everything else and challenging my own assumptions? Yeah, I seek to, and I hope every pastor out there is seeking to, but test it. Um, To say, is it just my opinion? Well, sometimes it's my opinion, and of course it's my opinion, but sometimes that opinion is based on what the Bible is actually saying or what Mm -hmm. Christian tradition is saying, but test that too. Don't take my word for it. Always test it, but hopefully um, I'll prove trustworthy, though not infallible, in the journey, and... uh, Leave it at that. Yeah, yeah thanks absolutely. for asking. And I think that's that's something that gets either brought up a lot or um, get asked a lot of, of teachers and of pastors in general. Like, how do we know that you're just not just making this up? Like, I don't speak <laughs> Greek or Hebrew. Yeah. You're saying that this is what this word means. How am I, why am I supposed to believe you? Yeah, and yeah. It, and, and that's That's just point. a great way to, a great place to start because, you know, first of all, there is a lot of education and knowledge and everything that you've gone through to get to that point. But now they're, you know, we have the internet. You can, you know, Google it yourself yeah. on, yeah. you know, 12 different websites if you want to go, oh, okay, this is what this means. Ask other pastors. Ask pastors in your theological tradition, but test it against other theological traditions. Mm-hmm. There's wonderful books out there called Commentaries in which someone who's devoted their life to studying a book of the Bible will, like, translate it and then write their comments about what it means. And there's thousands of these. Um, get a couple of them, and v- some of them are very accessible. And, and you're going to find a certain consensus starts to, to, to raise up. And if there is an outlying opinion, don't dismiss it out of hand, but test it and make them, make them prove why they do it. By the way, I looked it up. It's Acts 17, verse 11. Okay. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. So it's twofold. They weren't just skeptics going, I'm not going to listen to what you say. No, they received the message with a hunger and eagerness because they wanted to learn, mm-hmm. but they tested against the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. And uh, yeah, th- I'm glad you brought that one up, Andrew. That's, uh, that, that's fun, man. Let me smile. That's good. <laughs> um, let's see. We've, how much we've got? I think we've got about five about minutes. Five minutes yeah, left. about five okay. minutes. Let me um, find a, a five-minute question. Five <laughs> minutes and Thirty-one or 27 seconds now. Okay, okay. yeah, Perfect. yeah. So we'll, we'll see where it takes us. We can um, do this. How do we know when God's answer to our earnest prayers is no, wait, or yes? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how, how do we discern that from, from God and from prayer? Yeah, thanks for asking. And, and the short answer is you don't always know in the short term. But it's usually revealed in the long term. Obviously, if you're asking for something specific and it isn't materializing right away, you can be pretty certain that it's a not yet or a no. But sometimes we can ask for something right away. And God begins a process that we just don't see clearly yet. So it calls for patience. And one of the greatest um, maybe tools or techniques I've seen people use by which you can come to discern this is to keep a prayer journal. Just get some cheap old, you know, spiral notebook or, you know, if you kind of like to jazz it up, get your moleskin, leather bound, you know. (laughs) But you know what? Just uh, just date it and and, and maybe spend a few devotional minutes each day recording some of your prayers. Lord, here's what I'm praying about. Here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm asking for. Here's what I'm struggling with. And it simultaneously becomes a log. And then once a week, go back and read everything you read, you wrote. And once a month go back and 
review everything you wrote that month and maybe every year do a year thing. And, and pretty soon you can just start an exercise of going back and you're going to realize, wow, God really has been active and on the scene in my life in a lot of ways mm-hmm. with yo, with no's, yeses, and not yet's often all being towards my good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can really start to see the, the big picture of God's God story and God plan God's plan specifically in your life. Yeah. Because sometimes that's so hard to see. You know, we can think of, you know, God's story is this, you know, thing that's gone on for thousands of years. Yeah. And, you know, will continue to go on beyond me. Um, but then how do, you, how do you shrink that down to be something personal to you? And it's like, yeah, being able to look back 10 years ago and go, yeah. oh, okay, I was praying for this or this is what I was going through or this was the, you know, headspace that I was in. Right. And right. how was that, you know, how was that utilized? over the, that last amount of time. And that's been, I mean, that's been extremely helpful for me, but, and I'm not even like a, I'm going to do this daily and write it down, but it's like yeah. every now and then like, oh yeah, pull out a journal and, you know, write down what's going on, write down your prayers. And and I'm so ADD with my prayer life that, man, I forget what I prayed about this morning, let alone like three days ago. And, yeah. and some things God has just taken care of. And it's like, oh, that's not even an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Like God just, you know, th- th- this worked out, you know, or this, this resolved itself or, or I don't, care as much anymore. And, and, and he's changed my heart. Yeah. And that, I mean, that reminds me a couple of weeks ago, we had Bible study and sermons dealing with prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and mo- I think both of them use the acts model. So adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication. Yeah. Um, which means ask. Yeah. By the way, we, we, we need another S word that means ask. Cause no one knows what's up. We've been trying to come today. up with one and we, yeah, we, we can't we figure it out. Um, but I think Thanksgiving is a part that, that I miss a lot of the time. Mm. God, thanks for this. Thanks for, uh, you know, it's easy to go, thanks for my family, thanks for the things around me, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But if you can look back on your prayer life and go, okay, I was praying for this at that time, and hey, God, thanks for how you worked this right, out two right. years down the road, three years down the road. Like, I think a lot of times we can, you know, throw those prayers into the ether and we never go back to them ourselves. Yeah. And cause we're so just flurried in the moment yeah. and focused on the future. Ask, just, ask for this or ask about this. Yeah. Um, you gotta be retrospect, you know, or yeah. And be, you know, being, being thankful for that when that finally does yeah. it either does happen or doesn't happen. Or you can see yeah. what, what God's plan was in, in saying no or yes or wait to a point. Right. Um, yeah. It's very cool. Very cool. Well, great one to, uh, to land the plane on here today. We are out of time. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for your questions. You can ask them 24-7. We are working through an inbox of questions here, but we also take them live. Text them anytime to 815-314-0363. Let me give that to you again. 815-314-0363. We go live every Wednesday afternoon, 1230 p.m. Central Time. If you've missed past episodes, Check them out. Go to fellowshipoffaith.org, check out the FOF Plus page, and you will find them there. Or better yet, go to your favorite podcast provider, search for questions you never thought you could ask in church. We will pop right up. Mm-hmm. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for asking, and we'll catch you next time. Church, you never